How did the internet used to start? What what noise did it make? That's supposed to be a dial-up internet. Uh, Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep, and we are most certainly not experts in anything we talk about on this pod. Um, It's just a summary of our findings, but hopefully by sharing some of the knowledge with you, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly, Liam. Right, let's get on with this week's topic, which is the internet. Liam, this week's topic is the internet. What can you tell everybody about what you thought about the internet before you started to get into the research this week? Well, did I know anything about the internet? Not really. Google. Um, I couldn't tell you where it came from. I couldn't really tell you what it is. I don't, it seems like I don't know a lot of stuff every time we do a podcast. The, the, the internet is, is it one of those things that you everybody takes for granted? Like I think the it whole is. point of this podcast. Like, I think it is. Like everyone uses it. Like you, you can't escape from it. Certainly, yeah, in a Western world. If you're listening to this podcast, then you use the internet all the time, pretty much. And it's just one of those things that's just there. But how has it got there and, and why is it there? I've got absolutely no idea. So no. yeah, we thought it'd be a good good topic to research, didn't we? Yeah, the problem is though, it gets pretty complicated done it quite easily so if we've got any listeners out there who've managed to listen to our nanotechnology episode or our cryptocurrency episode we're going to try and take a sort of a similar line with this aren't we and try and keep this as simple as we can and obviously you know you lot need to know that there's a whole bunch of other stuff you could learn if you wanted to go a little bit deeper yeah i think what is an interesting thing that i learned out this week at the very very beginning is that the internet and the world wide web aren't the same thing are they no they're pretty interchangeable nowadays but yeah they are two separate things the internet itself it's to be fair the internet itself is quite easy to explain and we'll get to that in just a second and the web is a a different thing um entirely it's that the the web needs the internet to work doesn't it yeah 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 the web came out of the internet the internet started first so we'll talk about the history shortly but yeah one led to the other but then the web sort of you know if you say i'm going on the internet you're really going on the web. Yeah, so if you want to let everybody know then, so what is the internet? Okay, should we pre-warn everybody that you're need, going to need to hold your socks on because your socks is going to get blown off pretty shortly, right? <laughs> All the internet is, is a network of networks of computers it's it's the fact that the computers are linked together they started linking computers around the world but then all of those little networks got connected together and it's it's the internet is the fact that all computers are now linked together right exactly that's all it is a sprawling collection of networks that all connect to each other yeah easy now job done yeah but here's the mind-blowing bit right (laughs) 
how? <laughs> so it's like, okay, right, brilliant. I've, I've solved the internet. I, I know what it is. It's just the fact that my computer is connected to your computer, which is connected to my work computer. And they're all, they're all linked together. But I could also email somebody in America and that's connected because everything's connected in one massive net. Yes. How are they connected, Ollie? You can tell everybody. Hold on to your socks. They are, <laughs> they are connected by cables, which that blew my mind. That is mental, isn't it? I guarantee everybody thinks it's satellites and Wi-Fi. Yeah, but these these cables are enormous, aren't they? They must be, I don't know, like tunnel size because there's so much internet going on around there. How big are they? We set me up nicely there, Ollie. No, they are not. So, right, just let's just backtrack slightly. Everything's connected by cables. Now, <laughs> how are you connected to America? They go under the sea. Like yeah. there is a cable from England to America. And there is a cable from Australia to, I don't know, where? Malaysia or something. Like these cables are everywhere. And and the information passes through them, right? And yeah. these cables are fiber optic. So I th- doesn't the information pass as light? Yeah, that's something it. Like that? So the inf- information passes as light. And as of today, there are more than 400 subsea cables that are around there connecting the internet all over the world. And depends they can be from 50 miles long to tens of thousands of meters long so the longest one the longest subsea cable in the world is 39,000 kilometers which is nuts and it connects 33 countries yeah there are nearly i read there are about three quarters of a million miles of cable already under the just around the world connecting everything together but you know that blew my mind enough but like you're saying like these must be massive cables right i think these cables are put your finger and thumb together in an okay sign they're about that thick that's mental in it that is absolutely ridiculous so yeah you're talking like just over an inch thick these these fiber optic cables to be transferring data all around the world and I just thought it was quite interesting that they lie on the bottom of the sea and so they they try and work out where it is they need to put them um but they're they're not buried particularly deep and yeah their world is basically connected via cables not satellites yeah and um they they wrap them in like various things to keep them safe so if they are under sea they tend to wrap them in tar so the cables have got like steel plastic tar you know things to keep them safe but yeah like like a phone line so so the, the, the reason being that you would think it's all satellites and satellite technology nowadays, but the reason it isn't is because it's just not fast enough. These fiber optic cables, they can transmit data near enough at the speed of light, like 99.7% the speed of light they can transmit data. So super, super quick. Whereas if you are then going to be sending radio signals from Earth up to the satellites, then back down, there'd just be so much latency. The internet would be running so slowly that it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be able to operate on a lot of the things that we'd want to watch, like YouTube and all those other things that require a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. So even things like Wi-Fi and 3G and 4G, you know, they come off of the cell towers, don't they? That you see dotted up on hills and things that sort of beam their uh, internetness around. Uh, but they're all connected by cables, you know, themselves. <laughs> At some point, a cable connects them because they've only got so much range that, you know, you know what happens when you move away from a tower and your internet signal drops. Um, yeah, but they're, they're, everything's connected by cables. It's, it's mind-boggling that it's just a massive, a massive net of cables around the whole blimmin' world. 
<laughs> so someone came up with this idea, didn't they? And it was, if we just look a little bit into the history of it, and this is one this week where we don't need our, this happened a long time ago, Siren. The internet uh, started <laughs> yes. about 50 years ago. And at that time, you know, when, when computers were around 50 years ago, this is when they were enormous. So the computing power you've got in your iPhone or your, your Android phone right now, you know, those computers back then used to be the size of rooms. They were enormous. And in the 1960s is when it started. And it was mainly used by government researchers to share information on the things that they were working on or to be communicating with each other um, during the Cold War of something which happened then. Yeah, a guy called J.C.R. Licklider or Leader, um, he proposed that, you know, they should have a, a connected set of computers so that should there be a nuclear attack or something like that, they, that they're all connected so they don't lose all their information. They started something called ARPANET, which is the Advanced Research Project Agency Network. Um, this was in the, the early, yeah, yeah, in the early 60s. And then by the end of the 60s, about 1969, the first message was sent between two computers, wasn't it? Yeah. So as we were saying, it's for academics and researchers at the moment. Um, and what the this advanced research projects agency network did is they got a couple of universities on board with it as well. So they were then sent to Stanford Uni and to UCLA. So these are our universities. I think they're both in California. Both in California. Yeah. West yeah so of, they're, not, they're not that far away. West of, west of America. Um, they got them joined up by having two computers, you know, some distance apart from each other to try and send a message by two separate computers from one computer to the next. Yeah, they tried to send the word login, didn't they? That was the first message. That's all it said. It was login. And they only actually got the first two. They got L-O. Yeah. Sent across. I think that's more of a, a proof of concept, I guess, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they, they, they came with this idea of then, you know, being able to join up these two computers over vast distance so you could then share information over this. And they, they then came up with the idea of having multiple computers talking to each other. And so they, they then grew this idea. And then in 1969, by the end of 1969, there were four computers that were connected to this one network. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And then a couple of years later, they got a few more involved. So Hawaii, London and Norway were added. Yes. But like, this is what I was thinking at this point. So they've only... They, so they've already strung a cable out to Hawaii. I don't know if you know where Hawaii is, but Google a map where Hawaii is. It's about as far as London is from... from <laughs> it's a long old way, isn't it? Yeah, so at this point, they've only got four computers and they've gone, right, this is working. Let's let's join Hawaii and London and Norway to this. Like, Yeah. yeah that's exactly. a bit strange. You thought they'd done other American ones first, but they, they didn't. <laughs> so this technology then became known... And then lots of different networks started to crop up. So yeah. we're talking about yeah. here where we were saying by the end of 69, there were four computers. By 71, you then had London, Norway and Hawaii joined on this same network. But other networks in their own right started to crop up, didn't they? Yeah. And they needed a way that they could communicate with each other. Isn't Because yeah. it started to get to a point where... You'd have a network of computers and then, and then I'd have a network and you'd have a network. And then it started realizing, well, hold on. What if my network connected to your network? And then and then what if this one up in Canada connects onto this one here? And then hang on, we're going to have a much bigger network. Yeah. Um, so someone somewhere needed to come up with a way that you could connect networks together. And it, it just got bigger and bigger, right? And so at this point, everything we've, we've said about all these networks right now, 
we're not actually at the internet stage yet. So we're just talking about a single network. And we told you at the very beginning, the internet is a network of networks. And so it was, this is when there were two computer scientists, one called Vincent Cerf and one called Bob Kahn. They're the people who are credited with actually creating the internet by coming up with this technology, which was called a transition control protocol, um, coming up with this technology, which allowed different networks to talk to each other. Yeah, it gets a bit computery at this point. So we just, you know, disclaimer alert, we'll probably, that's about as much as we'll talk about that. They also came up with internet protocol, didn't they? Like the IP addresses. And you, 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 might, you might know what this is. An IP address is like just every computer has an IP address and it's, it's a bunch of numbers, isn't it? It's essentially the address of the computer. And it was, it's just a load of numbers. And Google, for example, has an IP address. You know, whatever website you want has an IP address. But as, as people, we can't remember those numbers. So we give them nice, fancy names. But they've all got basically this IP address. And he came up with the fact that actually you could address everything um, in this form. Yeah. And that, that is like the, the, the massive part of this in terms of people, the people who are credited of coming up with the internet and coming up with this way that you could send data back and forth. And it's the basis of what really followed as how the internet works today. Yeah, it's not really changed a whole bunch in terms of the underlying way that data is then sent back and forth, is it? No, exactly. Um, you know, the, having addresses and being able to, you know, once you know where everybody is on this network and you, you can then communicate with them. Um, and then, so this was in the early 70s. By the 80s, we had this rise of desktop computer, like working stations. And um, we had something called local area networks. And everybody wanted to join onto this one network, this original, the original ARPANET in the mid 80s. And then it happened on, we think it's January the 1st, 1983, was officially when the internet as we know it was born because all of these networks adopted this transmission control protocol or this internet protocol that these computer scientists came up with. So what about date 1983. Was that? What date the was 1st that? 1st of January, 1983. That sounds like a big date, doesn't it? Again, yeah. So as sort of the internet being opened up as we know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at, you know, at that point, all of these networks everything can talk to each other now and it's just it it becomes a network of networks and just imagine this net of computers just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until just everything starts getting connected up to everything else exactly and then that brings us then up to the 90s where there's then a name that you might have heard before called sir tim berners lee who's a british guy and he's the person who's credited with coming up with the world wide web which in a nutshell was a nicer way of looking at the information, the hard data that was occurring underneath in the internet and surfacing it in a, in a nice way via a browser. Yeah, that's essentially it. As, as these networks got bigger and bigger and bigger, there was just so much data, so much stuff that you could now go and find. But until he invented the World Wide Web, finding it was pretty difficult, wasn't it? Um, you know, knowing exactly where to look for something, you know, nowadays we just type it into Google and we can search it up, but that that wasn't there to begin with. It was just, everything's connected. I can go and find out the price of cheese in Spain if I want to, but I've got to know exactly where to look. And I, and I don't know that. Yeah. So the, the issue that he had was when he was working at CERN in the laboratory there is that there was all this information 
And I, I quite like this analogy that I read about everything being stored in different trees. So you'd have to okay. know which tree you needed to go into, which tree trunk you'd need to go across, which branch you need to go across to get to which leaf to find that information. But yeah. more and more of these like trees, if you like, it's just an analogy. There weren't actual trees, but trees of yeah. data were were coming up and it was getting more and more difficult to find information. So, so Tim Berners-Lee came up with the idea of interlinking all of these trees, coming up with what we now know as the web. And he created something called the hypertext transfer protocol. Is that right? HTTP? Yeah, like and like that and hyperlinks. Right. And being able to click through and not having to not having to go back down the tree and back up another tree to get to the other leaf you want, being able to just just click straight through to it. And, yeah. you know, imagine you've got all these trees in a field, but now the leaves from all the trees are also connected to it. Imagine a spider's gone and connected every leaf to every other leaf. You've now got yeah. this massive web and you can just move around it without having to go back to the start and then start all over again. Um, yeah. And these hyperlinks, you know, we know them now as like tabs on a website or links, or you know, you click on a picture and it takes you through to another website. Everything's interconnected as a web instead of like a straight line, um, a linear process. It's now in every direction. And, and that's sort of what he was credited with as coming up with, right? Which sort of changed the world. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just the, it, that nice front, that nice face on what all the, the data and everything that was going on in the background. And as Liam mentioned earlier, everything having IP addresses, just simplifying that address book. So rather than you go into 192.162.111, whatever it might be, you'd actually just type in amazon.com. For the record, Google is 64.233.191.255. You know that? <laughs> so, so do you want to type that or do you want to type Google? Like, um, So we, we know yeah. now, so, so we know how it started. We know there's yeah Vincent Surf, Bob Kahn, they came up with the idea of networking networks. Yep. Tim Berners-Lee came up with the idea of having a, a nicer way of connecting all of that data and information. Yep. But this is the complicated bit. How does it actually work? And I stumbled across a word called packet switching. Yeah, okay. Should we have, we'll have a little stab at this. And uh, if, if we lose anybody in the next two minutes, uh, this, this is not, do you want me to try or are you going to try? <laughs> I'll let you give it a go. Okay, so how does it actually work, right? You put in a web address into your computer, okay, or, or a search or whatever. This becomes a request to your internet service provider. So you've now told your internet service provider, I would like to go to this website. They send it on to something called a domain name server. So this is a server that, that is like an address book, and it knows where everything is. So they send a request to this domain name server. It now knows the IP address of what you've just typed in. So yep. Google, for example. It then sends a request to that website because it knows where it is saying, can you please send over the information of your homepage or whatever. Mm -hmm. That information gets sent back to your computer <clears throat> as it's called a, uh, it's, it's said it comes in packets, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Then the information basically comes back um, onto your screen. That's as simple as it is, but these servers might be on the other side of the planet. So it might be that I, I, I type in Google and uh, my talk, talk, whatever internet service provider, they then go to a server in London, but then London says, I don't know where this is, but they're connected to another server in New York who are connected to another. So eventually one of those servers is going to hold 
the Google website and then it's going to ping it back to me. And so what, what was the, the big thing that they, they came up with this idea of packet switching is where, right. say for a video, for example, is quite a big file, you know, relatively a big file. Like you're going to YouTube, you're, you're following that process that Liam just said, asking for this video, or you've gone you've asked for a podcast somewhere and then you've downloaded it. What happens is this packet switching is a way of taking these larger chunks of computer data and breaking it down into smaller manageable pieces. And then what happens is that those pieces of data, yeah. they, they all get broken up. So it's all ones and zeros, it's all binary. They then get broken up and they travel independently across this network. So they're not all going down the same one line to get to where they're going. They all travel independently over the network and then they get reassembled at their destination into the correct order for you to then stream the video or to listen to that podcast. Yeah, your web browser uh, puts it all back together for you. So if you're using Google Chrome or Safari or whatever, your web browser will will take that information and put it back together on your screen, which is why when you're on other computers on a different web browser, it will look slightly different because certain web browsers put things back together slightly differently, don't they? So like, I hate Microsoft Edge because it don't quite look right, but yeah. Google Chrome I'm all right with because that's what I use, you know? I'll just, I'll just throw a stat in there about search engines google is the most used search engine shock horror but it's got a 92.7 percent market share so virtually 93 percent of the globe uses google as their search engine and then the next which is bing is 2.8 percent what a massive drop but a search engine isn't the same as a web browser by the way no 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 no, no, it's not not the same thing but that is nuts, though. Yeah, a search engine is just a website that provides links to other websites, essentially. But yeah, Google uses all of them. These packets, just you know, why does a website break them all down? Why can't it just ping it straight over? Because surely the you know the internet's pretty clever. Imagine if if you will, I wanted to move the Eiffel Tower from Paris to say Berlin, right? And and I could move it in one go if I wanted to. So let's say I could take the whole Eiffel Tower down and stick it on a jumumbo lorry. Yeah. Right. If I sent that down, whatever the motorway is to Berlin, I would block that motorway for flipping ages, wouldn't I? Right, that would yeah, be pretty, very, pretty, very. You get stuck going through tunnels. You'd get, you know, going yeah, yeah. like hills and stuff. It would be a, a really, really slow ride and block everything up. I could do it, but then I would be the only one able to use that road. Yep. Okay. But what if I could break the Eiffel Tower down into a million different tiny pieces, put them all on transit vans? And then sent those transit vans down every road possible to get to Berlin, not the only main roads. There's not a million on one motorway. They are on every possible road going to Berlin. That would have no effect on traffic for everybody else. All the other roads will be working fine. because There'll only be one transit van on there. That won't make any difference to anybody else. And everybody can use it more freely. And that is pretty much what this breaking these things down into packets is like. We've got all these cables connecting the internet everywhere. But you can't send one massive thing down one cable because that cable then you know, just slows down essentially. And the the, the really clever part about it is that each of those different pieces of information, which when they're broken down, they're they're called bits. Those bits of information, they will find their way to the destination independently, the quickest way. All of them will do that all at the same time and then all get reassembled and then be what it was that you're asking for in the, in the first place. Using the IP addresses, which is, you know, the big deal. You know, everywhere's got an IP address. Oh, my computer's got one, yours has got one. Every, everything's got an IP address, so they all know where they should be going. Um, this happens 
super fast, doesn't it? Like, oh, blink of an eye. Yeah, ridiculous speeds. Like, it's unbelievable that, you know, like if a website you want is on a server in America, you wouldn't even know that. Like, if you search up, I want to go on to, I don't know, nfl.com, but that is on a server in New York, it loads up on my screen immediately. Yeah. But in that time, my computer has requested it. Someone else has requested it. It's gone down all these cables all the way over to America and gone, can I have the NFL website? And it's gone, of course you can. Pings it back in a billion pieces and my computer's reassembled it as the NFL website in front of me <laughs> in like no time. It's just mind-blowing, isn't it? That, that somebody thought of that as a concept and then it was put into place like decades ago and it's effectively still the same way that we work now. I can't believe that there's cables. I just... I, I, that's nuts. Like it's gone on a cable under the sea <laughs> to New York to say, come back here, please. I need this. So um, anyway, right. Can you shut down the internet? No, you cannot. It no, is. You can't, can you? We, it, we thought we'd have a look at that. Can you shut un- the internet down? It is unstoppable. It, yeah, no one, there's not one person who owns it or, or runs the internet. And if you're trying to Funny. shut it down, it'd almost be like, trying to stop all the rivers in the world flowing at one point, it'd just be impossible. Like you could block one river up, but then other ones would just carry on running. And that's effectively what the internet is, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's there's, there's basically too many cables. These cables run all over the place. There's so many of them now. Everything is so interconnected that, you know, you block one, it just goes another way. It'll just find its own way around. It'll just do it differently. So it's pretty much impossible, isn't it? Um, yeah, and like we were saying, that there isn't one person that owns it, uh, but there are... There are maybe four or five big companies that manage or maintain or look after these fiber optic cables that run under the sea all over yeah. the world. And it, they, they do get damaged. Like sometimes you'll have, you know, you'll see stories of if there was a, a boat dropped an anchor and then it's then pulled across one of these cables. There's mm-hmm. a story over in, in Tongo where their internet cable got um, torn and ripped and they were without the internet for 13 days. Because it took the company time to have to go out, go down, find the cable, repair it, and then connect it back up again. Yeah. yeah. Also, I don't think it's anybody in anyone's interest because we rely on it so much nowadays that that I think you'd be in trouble if you stopped it, wouldn't you? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. What? A couple other things, a couple other internet things that are, you know, quick ones we mentioned. What about the cloud? What's the cloud? Yeah, go on. You can explain this to people. Uh. The cloud is just, this is really easy. It's just storing your data. Now, that, now think of data as it can be um, like a picture or a song or a, something you've written, a blog or whatever. Um, it's storing it on the internet, on a server somewhere, instead of on your actual hard drive, isn't it? So I can log onto my phone and I can find the pictures. I can go and log onto your computer and I can find my pictures. Yeah. I can go onto the right website and I can pull them off. Um, that's what it really is. Yeah, cloud computing is just storing your stuff somewhere on the internet and uh, and not not on a hard drive yeah you've just been able to retrieve it from anywhere at any time which is um yeah something that we just take for granted nowadays but absolutely wasn't the case back in the day or you know maybe even 10 years or so ago it's yeah. the internet is used by billions of people so as of january 2021 there are over 4.9 billion active internet users so it's over over a half of the world's population, getting on for two thirds of the world's population, actually. But yeah, so four point nine billion. And of oh, that's those, a lot. 
That's a lot of people that aren't connected, though, isn't it? Because if they're talking more than 7 billion people, you're talking about 60, 70%, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's about two-thirds of the world. And of those 4.9, 4.2 billion of those use their mobile devices to go online every day. Yeah. So that's – yeah, but that's still a lot of people who don't have the internet. That's I know. Like, that's weird, isn't it? Like, then, yeah. But, but, you know, I suppose a question, you know, if you live in the middle of nowhere, someone's got to get an internet cable to you somewhere. But if you're not, like, if there's no money to be made, does anybody do it? Like, is it a money thing? It it absolutely is, yeah. It's it's not in their interest to then put these expensive cables and then maintain them if they then can't charge you for the use of the internet. So it's it's not within the internet service provider's interest as a business to to then do that for you. Um, and it's that there's massive, I don't know what the right word is, inequality in access to internet, mainly in Asia. So, okay. you know, large parts of, of, of China and India, it's less, they reckon it's less than 20% of their population has regular access to the internet. So that's, that's where it makes up a, a lot of that number of, um, of people not being able to access the internet. I suppose as well, we've touched on it in the past in other another episode it might be in the space junk one where we're talking about spacex and their their constellations their internet constellations that they're they're throwing up and they're trying to get everybody connected via the internet using satellites but everyone would need to have their own antenna like in their back garden wouldn't they Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we learned that before you know yeah like you said listen to that episode and uh there you go you know we've touched we're very up current, aren't we, really? <laughs> we try and be. Given that uh, Halloween came out last week, that's proper current. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good takeaway. Go on then, let everybody know, what is your two guys, one topic takeaway? How heavy is the internet? Uh, really heavy? Super heavy, <laughs> I reckon. So good. Right, so you can't actually weigh electronic data but it does have a very, very small weight, right? Because the internet runs on electrons and electrons are how data is stored and an electron has a weight. Now that weight is pretty much nothing, but it, it is something, yeah? So okay. we're talking like 0.00000, like a load and load and load of grams. Yeah, like nothing. But calculations have taken place, right? And they reckon that, you know, there's about 1.7 billion websites and there's about 100 million servers all over the place. And there's also all the data is stored. This is all the videos, songs, words, everything on the internet they reckon weighs as much as a strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Who's done that? Apparently a computer scientist from the University of California. Uh, That's, it's nuts, isn't it? It's crazy. It's calculated to weigh about 50 grams, which is about the size of a large strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) so my two guys one topic takeaway sort of feeds into that quite nicely in terms of talking about how much data there is and i just was looking at the things that happen in one minute on the internet like as of 2021 the the things that happen in one minute of the internet are things like 575,000 tweets there's 167 million TikTok videos that are viewed. Um, you've got you know, 2 million Snapchats, 
that uh, are sent yeah. by users. But the one that really got me, and I thought, wow, this is this is enormous, is that as of 2021, more than 500 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. 500 hours worth of video gets uploaded to YouTube every minute. It's mental. That's, well, yeah, but it doesn't weigh anything, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the back of I I'd read also, some, this guy had worked out, like, if you filled up your Kindle, for example, if you had a four gigabyte Kindle and filled it up with books, it would actually weigh a little bit more. But that little bit is like 0.0000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000